This is part two of my interview with Dr. Barry Johnson, author of Polarity Management, Identifying and Managing Unsolvable Problems. If you missed part one, be sure to listen to the previous episode. Yes, yeah, it was fun. So I said the things that you mentioned, you know, you're going to say that you're going to go after an integration of this system, reduce redundancies Mm -hmm. and reduce competition and have more collaboration, et cetera, and build systems to do that. I said, so you're going to get together. You're going to agree that you're all going to do that. And then you're not going to do it. (laughs) Now, at this point, there's silence on the other end of the phone, right? And after, you know, a few seconds or so, I said, hello. (laughs) And the chief operating officer in a very gruff voice said to me, who have you been talking to? No. And I said, I haven't been talking with anybody. I just know how polarities work and how values work. And so this is very predictable. And he said, wait a minute. He said, I know how you could come up with the competition and the redundancies and the lack of coordination as a function of our focusing on autonomous business units. I said, it's also clear how you would come up with what we would say we were going to do about it, which was to build in some integrating processes, you know, and reduce redundancies and increase our collaboration and partnership. He said, but did I hear you correctly? And you said, we were not going to walk our talk. (laughs) I said, yes, sir. Now, we're only 10 minutes into this conversation, right? I know. And he says, well, I want to know how you knew that we would not walk our talk because two years ago, I ran that meeting. This is costing us billions. I want to know how you knew that we were not going to walk our talk because everybody in the room agreed to the person that that's what we needed to do. We had total alignment to do this. And we have hardly moved an inch in two years. Now, I want to know how you knew that we weren't going to walk our talk. So I said to him, the brief response is, well, that's what I want to share with you when we spend the day, you know, a month or so from now. But the reason I knew is because of a couple of things. Number one is we all tend to have a bias, an unconscious bias for problem solving and either or thinking, either this or this. We also tend to look at all change efforts with a from to gap analysis orientation. Now, if you put gap analysis, which is simply has three parts to it, gap analysis has what is the present state, usually identified in negative terms, what do we need to work on, you know, what are our issues? And then you have the second element is a preferred future. Well, what would it look like that would be better? And then the third element is a strategy to bridge the gap between the present state and a preferred future. Now, if you put those on a polarity map, if you've got a polarity map with autonomous business units on the left and integrated business units on the right, the problem got identified, the present state got identified is lack of coordination, you know, competition, et cetera. So that would be the lower left below autonomous business units. Now, the gap analysis goes from there to the preferred upside, which is the upside of integrated business units. And then the strategy is to bridge the gap from the lower left to the upper right. Now, the content of the lower left and the upper right that you have just very ably described is very important. The problem is not with that content. The problem is there are two other parts of this polarity map that are not included in the gap analysis. Uh And that would be the upside of autonomous business units and the downside of integrated business units. And the stronger we value the upside of autonomous business units, 
the more we will be afraid of the downside of integrated business units. And it's the fear of the downside of the pole we're moving towards that keeps us at the gut level from intellectually doing what we say we want to do and need to do. Mm -hmm. So let's just take a look at those other two quadrants real quickly. So if you're located in 46 countries, what would be some of the benefits of providing some autonomy for your business units? What comes to mind? You can be in different cultures. You can respond very appropriately to the needs of that particular country and culture. What's another one? You could just be very personalized, individualized, and customized to that particular market. You can do things the way that are being done according to those customs. And you can experiment and test and try things that you don't have to go back and ask Grand Central for that permission. You can just go and do it. Yeah, exactly. And so that leads to that speed and initiative, right? Mm -hmm. What parts want is the freedom to express their uniqueness, the uniqueness of the country, right? And you want to be able to take initiative. So it's fast, it's responsive, it can respond to the customer. Notice what a huge, great upside that is for autonomous business units. Mm -hmm. It does not show up in the gap analysis. Nope. Because you're not asking for the upside of a poll. You're just looking at the downside of the poll mm -hmm. and you're asking for the upside of the other poll, which is very important. So there's one piece that's left which is the downside of the pole towards which everybody agreed intellectually that they wanted to go, but at the gut level, they were unable to go too. And this is the fear of the system. The stronger you value the upside of a pole, mm -hmm. in this case, autonomous business units, the more you will be afraid of losing it and get caught in the downside of the other pole. So though they were saying all the words about going to the upside of integrated business units, at a gut level, they were afraid of what would happen if they lost all the upsides of autonomous business units. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason I knew that there was such a strong value for the upside of autonomous business units is that it appeared on their value statement and integrated business units didn't. Mm -hmm. So I knew they were out of balance emotionally in their value system around autonomous business units so that would keep them from going there so let's do one more one more poll quickly for you the downside so if they valued everything that you mentioned and the fear of losing it what would it look like if you lost those things you mentioned and this would be the downside of over focusing on integrated business units to the neglect of autonomous business units and this reflects by the way a cultural fear system that was blocking everyone mm. what was in that cultural fear system I'm putting my polarity management muscles on here. This is good. <laughs> well, the downside of equality and connectedness and synergy integration is, first of all, things can get really static. They can get really stuck. Yeah. They can get rigid. They do not allow for the individuality and uniqueness. Things get really slow. Yeah. It's like Brussels yeah. in the EU, right? Yeah. You know, you don't know what this decision-making process is. And time lag, especially in 46 countries, which means time zones are a huge factor. So there's a delayed response, unable to meet that that market force or market needs in the particular area that you're in, I can see lots of those downsides. Absolutely. Notice what a rich downside it was, mm -hmm. right? That's cool. Rich downside. No one ever talks yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stuff there. Mm -hmm. And the fear of getting caught there in this bureaucracy and red tape and slow, unresponsive, uncreative, you know, it's like that huge list that fear system is what caused me to say, even though you intellectually know that you want to go to the upside, you're not going to go there. And it's because there's going to be this undertow of the downside that you're afraid of, the downside of the other pole, which will keep you from doing that. So mm -hmm. with all polarities, 
when we experience the downside of a pull because we've overfocused on it, the natural self-correction is always to go to the upside of the other pole. When we've been inhaling for a while, exhaling is a good idea. <laughs> but exhaling is not a solution to the breathing dimension of life. It's just a natural self-correction, and it has its own limits. Mm -hmm. And if you're not aware of that downside, then the lack of awareness of that downside will keep you from accessing the upside. And so that's what was happening with this company. So when I went to work with them, they were in table groups of six, and every table group worked with the polarity map of autonomous business units and integrated business units and generated content themselves. Didn't take long. Notice how little time it took you mm -hmm. to generate the content of this map. And what were we working from? Some basic principles already described about polarity thinking and a set of five or six values held by this Fortune 5 company in the world, mm -hmm. in the United States. But what you combine with that is your own life experience. All of us have been through the part-whole polarity mm -hmm. in our organizations, in our teams. So we've been through that loop. Hundreds of times we've looped through it. So we know what happens if you overfocus on autonomy to the neglect of integration or integration to the neglect of autonomy. We know it in our teams, we know it in our organizations, and we can know it in the United Nations. So that's just an example of one application that served them really well at getting unstuck and being able to shift from the notion that somehow autonomous business units were the problem and integrated business units were going to be the solution. So they were able to make a shift then, right? Yes. And they ended up generating action steps to support both upsides. And when you're working with polarities, paradoxically, if you want to shift to the other pole, paradoxically, if they wanted to shift from autonomous business units to also include integrated business units, mm -hmm. the first thing you would do with them, which I did at the tables, is I had them all identify what they were doing and what they were going to continue to do to make sure that they maintained autonomy in their business units. Mm -hmm. So paradoxically, if you want to move to integrated business units, reinforce autonomous business units first, then add what you're going to do to have integrated business units. Barry, this reminds me of some coaching that a friend gave me when I was looking to change something. I came in at the end of a day. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited about this change. And he'd used up all of his change energy for the day. And finally, he looked at me and he said, Shannon, please just tell me what's going to stay the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I realized most of it, frankly, was going to stay the same. Just a little bit. The part I was excited about was 5%. But it was great coaching. And I think reinforcing what's going to stay the same and what they don't have to worry about to decrease the fear that you talked about. You have to validate that before you try and shift people. It not only decreases the fear, Shannon, it builds a platform for the move. Mm. Complaining about yourself is not a good platform from which to make changes in your life. Good point. That's like starting a 100-yard dash in quicksand. Yeah. It doesn't help. The more you move, the more you sink. If you want to start a 100-yard dash, you want to have your feet in the blocks. You want to have a platform from which to launch. That platform, in a polarity terms, is the upside of the pole from which you're moving. Mm. Right? So if you want to be more articulate, you want to be more out there in your speaking, the first thing you have to do is recognize what a good listener you are as a basis for your talking. Mm. And that makes all the difference. Improving yourself by embracing another pole of a polarity is a terrific idea. And the best place to do it from 
is appreciating the contribution of the pole from which you're moving, Mm. that part of yourself, that historical strength. I love that. One of the things as I was actually reviewing your new book that just came clear to me again, and the whole distinction between the difference between problems to solve and polarities to manage or leverage, and you give some great test questions. Is this a polarity? Is this a problem? <laughs> Which was good. I yeah. tested myself. I did okay. One or two, I'm like, ooh, I could get better at this, <laughs> even after all these years, is there are problems embedded within polarities. Yes. And I love what you talked about is, you know, when you're on the downside of one pole, part whole or whichever one you're working on, mm-hmm. it looks like a problem to solve. And one of the things I remember from my training is you've got champions, mm-hmm. people who are just like, this is the solution. This is what we have right. to do. Right. But there's a problem with that. you know. And then you get over there and then hmm, you start experiencing the downside again. Yes. There are advocates for going after the upside of the new pole. Mm-hmm. And they have a point. It's perfectly legitimate. They have one point of view, which includes a diagonal of the polarity map. Mm-hmm. It includes the downside of the present pole and the upside of that other pole. And there will be resistance to that move. And the resistance comes from people who are afraid you're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. What is the baby? The baby is the upside of the pole you're coming from. Nice. And the other thing that you're concerned about is losing that baby. And that looks like the downside of the pole you're going towards. Mm-hmm. Right? I'll give you an example. I was giving a presentation at an organization development network And this was right after the breakup of the Soviet Union. There were people from Russia who were, for the first time, coming to visit. It was a small team of six people from Russia who were coming to this OD network to understand what they might learn about organization development that would help them in the new Russia with the breakup. I didn't know who they were until right before the session started. They sat right in the front row. They were obviously eager, very friendly, warm smiles. And I got introduced to them. And I said, you know, This is not what I had planned for my presentation, but with your permission, I would like to share with you a notion I have about Russia and the recent breakup of the Soviet Union from a polarity perspective to see whether this makes sense to you. I've not been to Russia. I don't pretend to understand the culture, but from a polarity perspective, I want to see if this makes sense to you. So what I did was I shared, it's the same part, whole polarity. I said, at the time of the Russian Revolution, The Russian Revolution was going from gross inequality towards more equality, right? So communism was all about moving towards equality and trying to deal with the czar and this structured gross inequality with extreme suffering as a result of it and concentration of power. So the Russian Revolution took place. And I said, the problem was they saw the Russian Revolution as a solution to a problem. It wasn't a solution to a problem. It was, in fact, a necessary self-correction in an over-focus on this individual part focus with the czar as the controlling part Uh and focusing on the whole, what's good for the masses, right? I said, so it got identified as a solution. And now, at the time of the Russian Revolution, it is called a mistake. Uh I said, it wasn't a mistake. The Russian Revolution, what your grandparents and great-grandparents struggled for and died for in the Russian Revolution was not a mistake. It wasn't a solution in the first place. Mm. And that whole focus, in fact, needs to be seen as an ongoing oscillation. This oscillation took three generations. So going to the upside of the pole, you experience the upside of that. As you experience more and more of the downsides, 
you end up with the breakup of the Soviet Union was a reassertion of autonomy of different parts, right, of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And that reassertion now is a three-generation polarity loop. Wow. And I described that to them. And after I described this whole process, I'm looking at all of them were crying. All six were in tears. <laughs> it moves me just to remember it. I said to them, what is happening? And they said, this is the first time in our lives that we have heard somebody talk about the Russian Revolution in relation to the break of the Soviet Union. This is the first time we've heard anybody talk about what our grandparents died for as anything but a tragic mistake. Mm. Notice how caring this is. The, the phenomena of the interdependent pair is a gift like sunshine and gravity. It's a phenomenon that's right there for us to use to support each other. It helps us appreciate, how did we get into trouble here? Oh, it's not because, you know, the business I was talking about that got in trouble, it wasn't because it was a bad business. It was because in its enthusiasm for autonomous business units, it found itself in the vulnerability of autonomous business units. There's a vulnerability to every pole. Mm-hmm. And what they wanted to do as a self-correction was the logical thing to do but since they didn't see it as a polarity in which both were valuable and useful, it undermined their actually getting at both. Mm-hmm. So that's where this both and thinking would be helpful, was very helpful to the Russians coming in response to the breakup of the Soviet Union. And it was helpful to a multinational company just trying to function better on behalf of their customers and their employees. And other examples you have in your book are how to deal with recalcitrant oncologists, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which was a great example that's Mm -hmm. in the new book. You know, just how to get people on your side, especially if you think you're trying to solve a problem, look for the interdependent pair, Mm -hmm. look at what people are already doing and what they might be afraid of losing. You talk through the coaching process really clearly and how both sides, actually, instead of the champion, the lead person who was all up for the new innovative processes and procedures and technology, they were actually able to come up with some very astute early warnings and action. So let's jump into those for a bit, because if you can imagine this map and you've got the words for the upside and the downside for each of the polls, mm-hmm. but then the models expanded because then what do you do about that? Right. So let's talk about what comes out of this. How can people take action once they've identified? And even before we jump into that, what I love so much about polarity management is it helps me A, resolve conflicts Mm -hmm. like nobody's business, B, appreciate the other side, and C, as a result of taking that bigger step back instead of just being entrenched in what I'm frustrated at and championing the other side, I'm like, okay, what's the bigger picture here? So as a leader in an organization or even someone who deals with all humans do, Mm -hmm. you know, it just gives us a whole other perspective with which to be effective. Yeah. And one of the key polarities here then is stability and change or continuity and transformation, uh, some version of that. We talk about the people who are going after and they're going after the upsides of the other pole. And they're often in tension with the people who are holding on to something they don't want to let go of. (laughs) And both of them have wisdom to be acknowledged. So what a polarity map allows is those who are going after something to say what they're going after and what they're going from. Mm-hmm. So they can identify the downside of one pole and the upside of the other. The other group can identify well, what they are wanting to hold on to and what they're afraid of losing if we do this. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that in a conflict situation is polarities show up primarily in two ways. One is in a conflict, especially a chronic conflict. 
And the reason they show up in chronic conflicts is because the reason that our chronic conflicts are chronic is because they're often wrapped around a polarity, which is inherently unavoidable and unsolvable. Mm. You just have to know, how do we deal with it? How do we make the most of this natural tension between the two poles? The other is when somebody's trying to make a change and somebody's resisting the change. So that's where the two places where polarities show up at every level, including the individual level, the individual person who's trying to make a change in their life. And the part of them that says, I'm not sure I want to do that. <laughs> so there's wisdom in both groups. There's wisdom in the ones going after, and there's wisdom in the resistance to those going after. And what a polarity map is just a wisdom organizer. It allows people to have their values and fears articulated. So if I'm valuing autonomous business units, I'm afraid of bureaucracy. That takes care of two of the quadrants. If I value integrated business units, I'm afraid of rogue departments. You know what I mean? So now notice these values and fears. If you say, okay, we've got a place for that on this map. We've got a place for you to stand where your values are located. Mm -hmm. And we've got a place to show what your fears are to acknowledge that they're a legitimate fear. And the other person says, well, what about my values? Say, Great. You can stand here. There's a place for you to stand in which we can recognize this. And then there's also a place where your fears can be located because they need to be acknowledged and legitimate. So a polarity map is always a values and language clarification process, building one. You build it with people. So there's ownership of the map. You can do this on a team and it doesn't take long, for example, to build a polarity map. We built the map. I don't know how long it took, but you took just a few minutes to identify all four quadrants of a map. And think about what little you had to work with. You just had knowing that there was autonomous business units without a pair. Mm -hmm. You defined what the other pair was. You defined all the elements of the quadrants. You did that in a relatively short period of time. And that polarity was costing this multinational corporations billions of dollars a year, even though they were all aligned at what they thought needed to be done. Uh -huh. that all the typical change strategy, well, you need to have leadership support. You need to have alignment of everybody. They had all of that going for them. Right. What they didn't have going for them was that they were seeing it as a problem with a solution when it was a self-correction and a polarity. Brilliant. Oh, so excited. I'm hoping that as you are listening to this, you know, our audience, that you're starting to see that some of the things that have been, you previously perceived them as problems to solve, you're like, oh, maybe there's a polarity here. And one of the things I love more than anything, Barry, when I'm showing this to my groups, is that when you actually manage the polarity well, it looks more like a bow on a present. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it does. <laughs> Which is kind of cool. It's like, okay, let's get the happy picture here. But it means that you have to be astute as to when you are heading down towards that downside. And I really like the idea of early warnings. So can you talk about those for a moment? Because that's part that's actually a little bit even newer for me. Sure. Let's stay with the autonomous business unit, integrated business units thing, mm -hmm. right? So one of the downsides that you mentioned would be a lack of uh, integration. And so an early warning for that, and the types of early warnings are anything you can measure. You can measure things like types of comments. Mm. For example, if you're hearing an increase, so we look for an increase or a decrease in something that would be an early warning. Well, how would we know that we're lacking the integration we need? Well, there would be an increase in comments like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Right. There'd be an increase in surprises by people about, I didn't know that was happening, right? Together, you generate, what would those early warnings look like? You know, what would be increasing or decreasing? Now, on the side of how would you know early that you're over-focused on integrated business units to the neglect of, you know, of autonomous business units? 
So the integrated business units downside, one would be bureaucracy. Well, how do you know you're starting to be too bureaucratic? And it might be an increase in comments like, this process is taking too long, you know, or I've got to go through too many hoops to get anything done. So at the very soft level, you can see some of this. Now, sometimes you can have some really measurable early warning indicators as well. And again, the early warning indicators and the action steps to get both upsides as well as the early warning indicators can also be generated by the people involved. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't have to arrive with a polarity map that's folds. You've got it all figured out. Anybody who's listening to this program can think you can just bring an empty polarity map to a discussion and say, if this were a polarity, what would the names of the poles be? Mm-hmm. And if we called it these two names, then what would the upside of that left pole look like? And you just start generating content and there's going to be some that you're going to disagree about. And that becomes the basis for a discussion. One person says, I think that's an upside. For example, you might say, sometimes we work with competition and collaboration, and somebody says, I see collaboration is great, but I'm a little bit concerned about competition. I think that's not really neutral because we try to make poll names that are either both neutral or both positive. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the step in the process. Then we would have a discussion, well, what would work? You know, if integrated business units didn't work, which was the poll that I came up with, they might have preferred centralized. Right. We want autonomous business units and we want centralized. Well, that's fine. For example, in terms of building a map, when I'm working in other countries where English is either not a language of the country or it's a second or third language, I encourage them to fill out their maps in the language that's theirs, right? Mm -hmm. Most comfortable for them. And the action steps and early warnings. And then what I do through an interpreter, since I cannot read anything on the map, (laughs) through the interpreter, I ask them, does this map meet these criteria? Mm. And if they're shaking their head yes, then I'm good to go. Wow. It's their map. It's their definition of reality. It's like, do the two poll names, are these two things interdependent? In this organization, do you need to have both of these polls? Over time, will you need to include both of these things in your ongoing functioning? If so, you've probably got a polarity. Does this content in this upper left quadrant Are these the positive results you would get if you did a good job of focusing on this left pole? If they're shaking their head, yes, you're good. Are these positive results you would get if you focused on this right pole? Mm -hmm. Great. Are these negative results if you overfocused on the left pole to the neglect of the right pole? Mm -hmm. So you're just asking the questions that I ask people to fill out anyway. It's just trusting, you know, they know the culture, they know the organization, and they can read their own writing. So (laughs) so they know... (laughs) They tell me whether this is doing it, and then they can assess the polarity, and I trust their assessment of the polarity better than mine. Right. Is there also a time sense? Because problems, and I could be incorrect about this, problems seem to me to be a little bit of a shorter time frame, and polarity is, you know, as long as you've got one, you've got the other pole. Well, the cycle time can be very short or very long in a polarity. Okay. So it can, sometimes can take a very long time to solve a difficult problem, mm-hmm. like getting to the moon or something. <laughs> But it's still solvable. The difference is when it's done, it's done. Right. With polarities, by the way, the shorter the cycle time, the more obvious it is that it's a polarity. Nice. So, for example, inhaling and exhaling has a very short cycle time. (laughs) So it's not likely that anyone would argue. You couldn't have a team that would say, are we as a team in the future going to be an inhaling team or are we going to be an exhaling team? 
because all of them know that either one of them is inherently not sustainable. No. <laughs> You're going to be blue in the face soon, no matter which one you pick. Right. So that's real obvious, activity and rest. You just can't be active forever without getting any rest. Your body will just shut down. You know, you'll just collapse. So activity and rest is an obvious polarity in which you need both over time. Now, it's more difficult at the time of the Russian Revolution to recognize mm -hmm. that you're in the self-correction of a polarity than that you're in a problem to solve. Mm -hmm. So the longer the cycle time, the more difficult it is to determine, is this, in fact, a problem we need to solve, or is it a correction in an ongoing polarity we need to leverage? Mm -hmm. And as you start to understand polarities, it becomes easier and easier to see polarities in larger systems and polarities that are relevant in a longer period of time. Mm, fantastic. Unfortunately, our time is almost up. I could talk about this with you all day. <laughs> <laughs> it's so rich. Me too, yeah. I love how you've talked about it as a wisdom organizer, and it really allows for values and fears to be articulated in any kind of group work that I've done. Nothing's going to move ahead until the values and the fears have been articulated. So what a brilliant way to sum up a polarity map and its positive impacts. And the fact that you can do it even if it's not in your language, pretty spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> I got to love yeah. that. What you need is something to write on. You know, it's just a piece of paper and yeah. understanding the framework. And obviously, the mindset and the validation of both sides, you can't come in as a facilitator without that. So appreciate that. Right. And another thing is once you know that you have a polarity and you've mapped it, you can assess it. You can assess how well you're doing. And the other thing is the book that you mentioned, I just finished chapter 32 today. Wow. Chapter 33 is the last chapter, so I'm getting very close to finishing this book. But out of the first 32 chapters, I have 119 realities about how all polarities work. So if you've got a polarity, it's like, well, what can you know if you've got a polarity? I could give that set of 119 realities, have it translated into Japanese if I was in Japan. They could look at their polarity map, and I'd say, look, all of these things are true of the map that you have in front of you, and I do not have to even know what's on the map mm. to know it will be true. And so that becomes a powerful resource because of everything that you can know. The minute you say, oh, if we have a polarity, then this is true. Mm -hmm. You know, If we overfocus on one pole to the next together, we're going to get in trouble. And we even know what kind of trouble it looks like. Well, the fact that you could go into that meeting and in 10 minutes diagnose the problem. <laughs> It's pretty spectacular. I would like those superpowers. That's fantastic. Well, you have them. I do, actually. You did it, yeah. But that still doesn't prevent me sometimes from getting caught up in my own polarities. Absolutely, me as well. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of funny. Knowing it and sometimes feeling it are two different things. So, Barry, I have loved this conversation, and I'm so excited to have a much more in-depth conversation because in the workshops or even on a piece of paper with someone, it is so fast. Yeah. People just can relate their experience. It brings people together. And I've got people who are personality-wise just more into stabilizing and consistency. And I've got other people I know in terms of their mental energy and strengths. They're much more on the let's change things and let's change yeah. it up yeah. and allows 
all of us to come together in a really productive, I'd love the word you used, effective way to achieve our greater purpose, which is kind of the whole point. So this is like a superpower when you can really master this and learn to see the world from this perspective. So first of all, thank you for coming up with it. I love all the genesis of it, knowing where it came from. You've written the book, Polarity Management, which if you don't own it yet, please run out and buy it, everybody. It's brilliant. And look for your new book that will be coming out in whatever time frame. Yes. And they can go to our website, polaritypartnerships.com. Actually, they can get the new book right now. Yeah. And that would be a much better read than the one that was written in 92. So I would encourage them to just go right to that book. It'll be available probably early next year in print, but you can get all the chapters as they're being written. So you'll be getting two more relatively soon because I know you signed up for it. So I can't wait. 31 and 32 are coming. Fantastic. And it's incredibly well-written. One of the things I really appreciate about you, Barry, is just how incredibly articulate you are, which I love. And the book is written the same way in a very real, you know, you can feel the stories and the emotions of the people involved in them. So it's a great read is what I would say about that. So polaritypartnerships.com is how people can reach out and learn more and get the book. Now, how can people, if they want to learn more to be a facilitator or to engage and be a partner, how does that happen? They can go to polaritypartnership.com as well. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of information about how to get involved. And we'd certainly love to be supportive of people. We work with teams in organizations. We have open enrollment type opportunities as well. So either works. Fantastic. Barry, first of all, awesome to see you again (laughs) and to speak with you again. Thank you. Thank you for being so generous with your incredible wisdom. I feel wiser as a result of this conversation. You know, I have Maximizer and Strategic in my Gallup StrengthsFinder strengths, and polarity management for me has always been a strategy that really helps maximize people's contribution and efforts and results. So a ton of gratitude for coming up with it and then also sharing it with this audience. Very grateful. Thank you for the invite. You're very welcome. Take care. Bye. All right. The Team Success video series is a brand new online learning platform to give your team the tools to thrive in an entrepreneurial business. Whether you have five team members or 500, Shannon Waller provides expert strategies for confidence, harmony, and success. You're just one click away at teamsuccessvideoseries.com. Mm-hmm.